0: what is going on everybody welcome back to the clear out podcast with your host matt brooks we are brought to you by blue wire podcasts and speaking of blue wire podcasts i am joined by fellow blue Wireer. wire -er, i don't know if that that doesn't flow that well. We gotta work on that a little bit. Uh Jack Manuel of the uh of the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast. Jack, how you doing today?
1: I wake up to chaos every single day as a Nets fan. I don't think I'm ever gonna get a good night's sleep until the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden era is over. And maybe it already is, Matt. Maybe it is.
0: Wow. Wow, we're pouring we're pouring it out already for the for the big three Nets. Yeah, um this was supposed to be a day where i was gonna look at phoenix sun stats lineup stats uh guess who has not looked at a single lineup stat today it's 230 p.m. <laughs> it's a nets game in a couple hours so uh yeah man the nets you know they they are relentless with their news um it's been kind of it's just been like this really since the big three came together um i part of me really likes it for like the obvious reasons that there is like always content but then part of me is like man this is it's a little exhausting sometimes. So well, rather than kind of dancing around uh, on the point itself, what we'll, we'll talk about today, uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, awesome guy, um, really, really good reporter, and has had just like a really good, what, like year, two years? I mean, he's just been everywhere. Um, just completely, completely pulled the curtain back on this James Harden Brooklyn thing. There's been a lot of rumors um, about Harden thinking about leaving Brooklyn or, or at least looking at other destinations. And Jake fully laid it out. Uh, it felt like this was a very targeted leak from Harden's camp. So I'm going to read through a couple excerpts before we get into everything. Um, basically, the, the, the crux of this article is that word has circulated around the league about James Harden's increased interest in testing the open market this summer and how his impending free agency is impacting the Philadelphia 76ers asking price for Ben Simmons. Um, and you know, in the, in the second paragraph, he basically, Fisher details that Harden's never been a free agent, which we knew about. That was something that I think was floated around at the very beginning of the season. Um, and he really intends to test, uh, unrestricted free agency. Um, so this is all stuff we know, right? I, I don't think there's any like breaking news here, at least until we get to the next couple of paragraphs. Um. And basically, what he said is that Harden has been vocal to Nets figures and close contacts alike about his frustrations regarding Kyrie Irving's part time playing status. A recent injury to Kevin Durant has exacerbated the issue, leaving Harden to shoulder the majority of the offensive burden during Brooklyn's home games. Again, it's out there. That's information that I don't think has been reported at this point, but it's also not necessarily surprising given what we know about how much the Nets have tried to bring back Kyrie and and just sort of yeah, fix the, set, the situation, essentially. Now, here's the part that I thought was really interesting. Nets coach Steve Nash's fluid rotations have also disappointed Harden, sources told Bleacher Report. Nash has favored hot hand closing lineups rather than a fixed crunch time unit. And then the last one that I think some people are going to find interesting, some people might not, uh, is his new city, could be also an issue. This is what Jake's reporting. According to multiple sources, Harden has not enjoyed living in Brooklyn compared to his days as a central Houston magnate. Uh, outside of the change in climate, the chasm between the state taxes in New York versus Texas is quite obvious as well. So those are three main news drops. They're all big. And for me, my first you know takeaway was, wow, this dude is miserable right now. <laughs> like he hates everything right now, and I I. I don't know. It's, it's hard to discern what's causing what, but I'll let you take away with what your initial takeaway was to all of this.
1: Look, I think we tackle each thing at a time. Man. I think that's the best way to go about it. And the first thing you, you alluded to was the injury to Kevin Durant and Kyrie part-time playing status. Now, you know, everyone sort of talks about oh, but he's hugging him, he's smiling. Yeah, oh my you, can God. Be, you can still be like I, I get frustrated with you. I get frustrated with Nick. I get frustrated <laughs> with my friends all the time. You can be friends and frustrated with them. And I also, when you as you were saying it, what came to my head was I think it was when he was speaking to you know you guys in a post game. He's like, "Yeah, I've got to like force Kyrie to get the the jab myself or some something along the lines of that." And it was a joke, but as they do say there is sometimes some truth and in, in behind the jokes so I think that if you look put two and two together and Jake Fisher does have pretty credible sources especially when it comes to Philadelphia and, and everywhere else and some of his nest reporting of late as you mentioned the last year or two has been pretty spot on but I would be frustrated too about explaining that I am frustrated about Kyrie Irving's playing status it, it just seems to me that I think a, a lot of True Nets fans are resonating a little bit with James Harden here. They understand where he's coming from. You know, obviously you can't necessarily help the Kevin Durant injury and maybe if Kevin Durant wasn't injured and Kyrie Irving was healthy and was vaccinated, none of this would be an issue. And I think that, some of that is controllable. Some of it is out of, is, is external and uncontrollable. So it's a, a little bit frustrating coming from a fan perspective here where it's just like, damn, I wish Herb Jones didn't, you know, throw the, the hot yeah. elbow at Bruce Brown or damn, I wish Kyrie Irving got vaccinated before the season. And maybe we would be seeing you know, the dribble bros all happy, the big three dominating like they were last year in the what, eight games they played uh, before, you know, everything sort of fell apart in, in the Buck series. But I don't know, what are your thoughts on the, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving portion of the, the reporting? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Not funny. That's not the word for it. Uh, I just sad. There's some sad irony to the fact that these guys finally get together. They have their kumbaya moment against Chicago and it's like a really great 15 minute stretch. And then it just completely falls apart from there. Uh, KD getting hurt, uh, which is clearly listed in the reporting, is like something that's really kind of I think spearheaded these feelings and the just level of um, I I guess not. I don't think aggression is the right word, but this is just a very passionate report. Like you can feel the frustration in this reporting. and and everybody that said and like I'm sorry I'm going to grandstand for a minute here but like everybody that said that Kyrie Irving's vaccination status wasn't going to be a distraction this year like you're out of your mind this is why and everybody and I I took a bunch I took a bunch of shit for tweeting stuff for saying this is something that has to get worked out and people say you know what uh this it this is a basketball thing like uh, you know, stop asking him questions about this. Just focus on the basketball. Uh, this is his personal life. Focus on the basketball. Well, guess what? And I'm sorry, like, I, it's fine. If he wants to remain unvaccinated, that's fine. That's, that's okay. But I, the point I've always made since the beginning was I truly believe that this decision that he's made is going to affect the basketball. And guess what? Here we are. So it's like, all right, I mean, if you truly believe that, that's fine. But I'm telling you right now, that's not what's happened. And this has been sitting here, this, this frustration with this situation has been sitting here for a while for Harden.
1: Do you think that his frustrations are valid, Matt? I, I I know I've sort of said that I resonated a little bit. Do you think that these are valid frustrations coming from Harden? You know, I think that in, in, I, I, we sit on the spaces yesterday. There was a lot set on like a two hour and a half spaces that we did yesterday. There's one going on right now on Twitter. Nets Twitter is going absolutely oh, chaotic insane. right now. It, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's also a lot of chaos at the same time. I remember saying about the, the general status of the, the contract extensions before we even started playing games in the preseason and there were strong rumors and strong indications from Sean Marks about you know, re-signing James Harden and re-signing Kyrie Irving. And now we're, what, four or five months later, however much longer it is now, and this is where we stand. It's, things change so quickly in, in Netsland and Nets world. In, in terms of where, where James Harden's frustrations are, are you? do you think that they are valid? Or do you think you should just be like, okay, well, maybe you should get in shape. Maybe you should play better. Or is it a bit from column A, a bit from column B? Uh,
0: I mean, look, like, could, should have he probably shown up in shape? Yeah, like that, that would have definitely helped the situation. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if I'm James Harden, and I, I'm just going to look at it from James Harden's perspective. If I'm James Harden, I, you know, uh, had a grade two hamstring strain, And I went out there and gutted it out for my team in the second round of the playoffs. And I show up the next year and I'm like, all right, let's do this. This didn't happen. I did everything I could last year. I'm going to do everything I can for this franchise. And there's a guy that just isn't there. Like for reasons that I, again, like if, if that's, I don't want to make this like a conversation about whether Kyrie's decision is valid or not. I'm looking at this purely from the perspective of James Harden has done everything that he needs to do, including he got vaccinated. He was one of the like stragglers at the very end. Uh, cause they were waiting on a couple people. So it, you know, for these guys to do everything that they needed to, to make this happen and that not all, you know, not everybody be on the same page there. Yeah. I mean, I understand it from his perspective. This dude was playing on a, like a grade two hamstring. Like he's doing everything he can for this, for this franchise. So, um, I, yeah, I, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, like a little bit that I've heard, like this is all, all of this starts with the Kyrie thing. Like it, it all starts with it. You know, all this stuff about the weather and the taxes and stuff. (laughs) It's always sunny in
1: Philadelphia, Matt. It's always sunny in Philadelphia.
0: This is like, that to me just screams a guy that's really unhappy about the situation. Like, you know, you ever been in a job where you're just, you know, you don't like, there's something fundamentally really wrong. Maybe you have a boss that you really, really don't like. And all of a sudden, like everything about that job annoys you. Uh, you know, like, oh, I hate, I hate the coffee maker here, like this coffee maker, like it always burns the coffee. It makes me so mad. And it's like, that's what this screams right now is all these little details. I think it all stems from this Kyrie thing because originally, and when I originally heard about this whole Harden thing, uh, brewing, it was the main thing was just that Kyrie's, uh, vaccination status was a big problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it from his perspective. He's done everything he needs to do.
1: Do you think that obviously, you know, your thoughts on the Kyrie Irving thing are, are pretty similar. If Kyrie was vaccinated, I think most, if not all, of these issues would be solved because you have two superstars playing, you know, close to 82 games compared to Harden having to do a large burden of the burden of the work as he's done for such a long time. And it feels like now he's at that point in his career where he wants to be a sort of co-star. You know, whether it's in Brooklyn, whether it's in Philadelphia, I'm not sure if there's another destination. It doesn't really scream. But if Kevin Durant had been healthy, do you think that these reports would have been coming out, and you know the Nets had to have been playing well, or at least well enough? Do you think you know Kevin Durant's status within this team is affecting it uh, in any sort of sense? Do you think that could have changed things um, uh, as well?
0: Um, yeah, I, I I think that the KD thing has definitely affected a lot of things, and I I just I get the feeling like that it was just a snowball effect where. It's, you know, as I said, uh, the Kyrie thing starts this season off on the wrong foot. And we should have probably all been like, wait a minute. Why is James Harden not extending? Why did Sean Marks do a presser saying this is signed, sealed, and delivered? Which, by the way, Sean Marks has never done at any point ever. And I guarantee you he will never do anything like that again. Um, That should have been the red flag of like, wait, something's off here. I'm not sure what's going on. I suspected at the time, I was like, I wonder if it's this vaccine thing hanging over the team. But I was like, I don't really feel confident enough about saying that. Um, And I still don't quite, honestly, that's just me still putting two and two together. But I will say it started off on the wrong foot and every, it's like literally every single thing that could have gone wrong this season, even going to like the point of Joe Harris got hurt. He, you know, he hurts his ankle and he's having setbacks with that. Like, even the little things where it's like... Nicholas Claxton as well. Claxton's not there. Like, if they even if they just had Joe Harris and Patty Mills out there with only James Harden, it would be in such a different situation because those lineups are like plus 14 together. Like, that's a really good trio that they've got. And they can't even tap into that. And then it's, you know, you have KD, you know, getting hurt. So it's like, it's just every little thing that could have happened. And I say this as somebody rooted for... Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves root, uh, growing up the Brooklyn Nets are cursed this is crazy even the Timberwolves don't do this, <laughs> like,
1: this when you started nuts. reporting you brought the Matt Brooks curse to the Brooklyn Nets it's not even <laughs> a Matt Brooks curse anymore it's a Brooklyn Nets curse Matt you you've cursed us mate like the Timberwolves were just bad we had no
0: hope at any point the Nets to do this and then have this happen I mean that's just that is cruel but no I, I think there's time to rectify things. Like. I think I said this on the spaces we did yesterday. I do believe winning cures everything. And like, even if it doesn't, because there's, I think there's a chance where he, like, let's say the Nets win, Harden gets his first title and he's still kind of like, this is great. I hated this though. I'm out of here. Like, that's totally, that's totally, you know, something that could happen. I could see that happening, but still you'd end up with a championship if you're a Nets fan. That's really the whole point of this.
1: That's all that matters at the end of the day. And I, I mean, I, I keep harking back to, you know, pre-season and, you know, you're mentioning, your know, Sean Mark stuff that, that I've sort of said as well. You know, when he was speaking to Michael Grady and Sarah Kustak, you know, he seemed to be like, yeah, it's a formality, it's all going to happen. But I think that you don't judge a person. A person is allowed to change their mind. You know, circumstances change. You know, he probably had a thought that, you know, maybe the mandates could have changed in, in New York or the NBA could have done something and Kyrie Irving could have been a full-time player. You know, Kevin Durant in confidence of that but you know things change and circumstances change injuries happen like you alluded to but i guess in saying that matt obviously the nets can offer him the 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 biggest contract possible the most money possible does that lure james harden more or has he made an infinite amount of money his career you know the money factor You know, money doesn't you know bring happiness at the end of the day but you know an extra 10 15 20 million dollars you make me pretty goddamn happy
0: um i i don't think so even though his his (laughs) hatred for taxes might say otherwise (laughs) um i i thought that line was so funny in that story i was like dude him and tillman fertita are perfect for each other like they both just are like i don't want to pay taxes He should go back to houston um in all seriousness though like uh no i i think the motivation for him just to get to a title and also just find like a stable situation um you know because there's just been a lot going on with the nets over the last two years and it's i'm not saying like instability within the franchise but just even like in terms of uh all the injuries that they've had uh guys going down with covid i mean you look at last year and it's like they walked into last year's playoffs barely playing together and they're about to do it again so it's just like that's that's kind of hard. That's, that's hard to balance. You're like constantly dealing with, you know, uh, feelings of hope and then frustration and then heartbreak as you feel like, Oh, great. This guy's going to be back. Oh no, he's not. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, I I don't think the money is going to be a big factor to be honest with you. Um, And as it many times isn't for guys at this point in their career.
1: Look, I think you mentioned stability and such. I think it sort of leads nicely to the, to the Steve Nash rotations comment that was sort of made. (sighs) Now, I think Ooh. that James Harden is just like all of us. Like, literally, I, I think I've expressed so many frustrations about Steve Nash's lineups and, and the rotations that he's thrown out there from first quarter to fourth quarter to closing crunch time to non-shooting you know shooting lineups to non-defense to all offense. And it's just like, Steve, what the hell is going on, my guy? We're playing 11 deep and 11 deep with Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin and James Johnson playing together. James Harden is all of us, Matt. I'm not sure how if you feel the same way. I haven't no, your I agree. thoughts. Okay, well there we go. So yeah, well, I guess what do you think about that comment?
0: It's actually really weird timing because my most the episode I just did with uh, with Mark uh, from Twitter, I, I brought him on and we talked about. I hadn't talked about Nash's coaching at all this year. I don't. It was just something that hadn't. I, I sort of touched on it in certain episodes where I'd been like, "Yeah, I don't love the spacing. Don't really know why these guys are playing together." But I hadn't actually sat down and, like, really evaluated his coaching job. And that's what we kind of did on that episode and just sort of talked about what we liked and didn't like. And then this comes out, and my my evaluation for, was so far this year was, I think he's regressed this year, personally. Nash is a head coach. Um, and a big part of it is it just feels, it just sort of feels like chaos a lot. <laughs> like, the, the stint that, where David Duke started... Uh, like look, I like David Duke Jr. I don't know. I don't know what he is. Is he like? Is he gonna be a guy that like bounces around a, on a couple of teams? I don't know. He could really turn into something in Long Island. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, like throwing him out in the starting lineup was so preemptive, in a way that it was like, why can't you give him like ten minutes off the bench? Also, why is DeAndre Bembry just not playing? That like, it was this weird week long stretch that this was happening, and it's just like, I feel like we've seen a thousand different lineups. Like no wonder Harden's frustrated and he doesn't understand like or you know, he's frustrated with I guess the situation because it's like I don't know who's spaced around me night tonight. Like I don't I there's no continuity at all. And like, yeah, it can you say, well, we've had COVID, you know, we've had guys in and out of the lineup. I mean, you've had you've had Joe Harris out of the lineup, um, and you had the COVID stretch like pretty much every other team. And now you have K D out and that's frustrating, I hear you. But they've also there's just also way too many random lineups. There's more than there ever needed to be. It's really bizarre. So I'm yeah, I I think he's he's done a pretty bad job with stuff and like the attention to detail in spots, especially at the beginning of the year was just like it's just bad. Um the spacing was bad and not just because of the lineups he's throwing up, but even where guys are located. Um like why why is Bruce Brown and and David Duke Jr. and DeAndre cool. Bembry in the weak side corner? Why? Yeah. What's the upside? Like, what? What do you like? What, are you Are you trying to make James Harden have, have what a three for fourteen shooting night? It's just weird, you know. Why not put him on the on the the strong side or put him on at the wing where it's like you're making a little bit more of a difficult help rotation? Why is he in the most obvious spot on the floor where defense NBA defense wants to help from? It was just I don't know. So yeah, it's been it's been frustrating, and I I think. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that boil over.
1: Do you think that an issue with that, um, look, I might be reading too much into it. I probably was less uh, on the Mike D'Antoni departure, you know, on, on his impact than some. I was just sort of like, oh, well, like, yeah, I, I get it. Like the Nets offense was otherworldly and he's a good mentor to Steve Nash and obviously has the, the relationship with James Harden. But now the more I start to think about it, I guess, it, it's starting to feel like it might be more of an issue and the increased burden of Steve Nash having to do everything with this team. Now, yes, obviously you've got David Vanderbilt, you got Steve Clifford, you've got Adam Harrington, you've got Jordan Ott, you've got um, Jacques Vaughn. You're all credible assistant coaches, but you know, Mike D'Antoni is the most successful, one of the most successful head coaches ever to not win a championship that we've ever seen. So that impact, losing that, and obviously the relationship that he has with James Harden, do you think there's something in that?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Nets would shoot it down. Uh. But I. I do. I mean, it's kind of hard not to watch this team and like look at how last year's team played from like a spacing perspective and just general know how. Like guys just knew where to be. Um. And not say, yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, maybe you could make the argument that uh, Ime was another loss for them. But yeah, Ime's well. kind of had. Uh, you know, he's had a little bit of a weird year in Boston. Now, granted, I think there's some uh institutional problems there i think it's probably the best way to put it i don't know how long that core can stay together but like they've you know they've had their their issues with other uh, switching defense and and just little things like that so um i do think they miss him yeah i absolutely do i just from the perspective of you have somebody that's that good at getting the most out of teams especially james harden teams um and is a guy that really engineered the perfect ecosystem for him you're losing that guy I think that has to hurt. There's just no way it does it.
1: No, and I, look, I am i don't see the game as well as guys like you and Lucas and, and Mark do. But even just from, from my perspective, a guy who's probably more like a, a casual watcher, a nice, he, he nice watcher. He nice. Compared, you know, compared to the analytics watch. I'm just like, it feels like the Nets are just running weird stuff and mm-hmm. or not running anything in, in a lot of stretches. So it, if you think... Let, let's say we can solve this issue. Say we're Steve Nash, uh, uh, you're Steve Nash, I'm Mike D'Antoni. We can fix the offense a little bit because despite what Steve Nash thinks, the Nets are an offensive team. They are not a defensive team. We discussed it actually on a, on a previous part that we did together on The Buzz, which was a lot of fun. So yeah. fixing these fluid rotations, what do you do? Do you uh, do you have a set eight, nine man rotation and obviously a fixed crunch time unit? That uh, that little comment there I thought was quite interesting. Do you think yeah. that it needs to be okay it's got to be Patty. It's got to be James. It's got to be Kyrie slash KD. It's got to be Clax. It can't be, you know, Clax LaMarcus or James Johnson. It can't be or DeAndre Bembry. How do you fix the fluid rotations? And how do you fix the fixed crunch time unit? Let's say we're trying to make Harden more, you know, more appeased and, and, and want to stay in Brooklyn. And we can fix the issue for Stephen. He's listening to the clear out. He, he subscribed to everything on the Blue Eye Network. How do you fix it, Mr. Brooks?
0: Uh, I, can I, can I uh, echo what you just said? I thought that the whole like writing the hot hand thing was like really, really, really interesting descriptive language. Like, and it, and it, it makes a lot of sense when you look at this where you're like, oh, David Duke Jr. had a good game against Toronto. He's going to start the next four games. And it, it's very like for me, that's pretty worrying that you have your star player very vehemently, clearly vehemently disagreeing with the fundamental perspective about how the head coach is running his lineups. Now I cause I saw that, I was like, Whoa. That's pretty that's 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 pretty tough language to see in there. I honestly I mean I I think they've actually done a little bit better in terms of, you know, um the big man rotation is the hard part for me. Like they've stumbled on something with Kess. I think Kess should be in there. Patty's gonna be in there. Um, you know, I guess without KD right now when you're on the road, Kyrie's gonna be there and Harden. So I that is a factor that I should probably give more credence to the, not having Carden <laughs> not having Kyrie all the time. Um But I think you have those core guys and we have KD there, that's your what core four, core five of those. Um the big man thing is really tricky, and I think that's like if you're gonna look at anything right now, and a lot of people are saying, well, the Nets need a three and D wing at the deadline. Like, yeah, every team needs a three and D wing. I honestly think they need a big man still, which is kind of it's kind of funny that after everything that happened, dating all the way back to the Harden trade, everybody said they need a big man. They need a big man. Reggie Perry is not it. Okay, they got some big men. Great. Uh, Coming into the off season, oh, I think they need a couple more big men. They maybe need a guy that's gonna, especially when they didn't have LaMarcus in the fold. Oh, they need a big man. They got to need a big man. Boom, got LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. <laughs> all into this year's trade deadline. You know what they need? A big man. It's like. So I think that's the, that's the one I'm looking at. I'm like, I don't know. Like you probably sharps like a little green for me. I like what he brings in certain spots. He's just, he's a rookie big. LaMarcus is like a turnstile. Um, it's just, it's been tough. The drop coverage, you know, I, maybe it wasn't sustainable, uh, what he was doing last year in drop, but, um, it hasn't been as effective. Like you'd almost could think about Blake, but Blake's just such a he's just such a non-factor offensively and then there's Clax, who's never on the floor so it's it's really tricky
1: I'm, I think you know discussing this is kind of fun because we actually get to talk basketball stuff rather than just rumors vaccination yeah. <laughs> is the fact that you know you, when Kyrie's healthy you know Kyrie, Kess, Patty, James Harden there's four now I think with that lineup Blake could work because you know four. I think Kess has developed a, a pretty nice offensive game you know he's a Lead, one of the leaders in, in three-point shooting for for rookies and he's taking a, a decent enough volume i've mentioned that a million times i love what i'm saying there you know he's finishing around the rim isn't amazing but he's got a decent mid-range game as well yeah. so i think you have four offensive players there Then that allows you i think to maybe not play a dayron sharp or LaMarcus Audrey to a predominantly offensive slash rebounding big man and blake who is maybe the steadiest you know defensive force just because he takes 45 trillion charges but I also do think that if Nicholas Claxton's healthy, I think Claxton's is a little bit yeah. of a solution. Yes, I think that his status and his health going forward is all, always going to be an issue. But if Nicholas Claxton's healthy, you know, we saw him working out with James Harden in the preseason. I think that they've got a relationship beyond basketball. You know, in that bridge episode that we saw drop on on the YouTube and the, and the Twitter page of Brooklyn Nets, we saw Nicholas Claxton speaking and, and, and so glowingly of James Harden. And, we heard in the preseason James Harden say that Nicholas Claxton's a more skilled version of Clint Capella. I think if Klax is healthy, you know, you talk about Joe Harris as well. If you have Joe Harris healthy, you could maybe play Kess at the five. Like, there's, it, it just feels like health, as well as winning, I think is a really good point that you made, could help solve some of these issues and help solve some of these frustrations that he does have. So maybe trying to, you know, not give Steve Nash out here because... You know, the issues are, aren't totally solvable, but they're more solvable than I think he is. I think he's making things harder than than they are. But it is that five spot where it's just like, okay, well, in the absence of Kyrie Irving, you've got to fill in an extra rotation spot. Is that DeAndre Bembry? Probably. Is it Bruce Brown? Maybe not. Is it David Duke Jr. on, on nights when he comes back? I, I really don't know. Uh, maybe the Nets get a Gary Harris or they actually make a move at the trade deadline to actually, you know, enhance something. You get a Robert Cummington or or whoever else it might be. So the Nets need to increase the level of rotation. We discussed, you know, for two hours and a half in the spaces, like I mentioned, the additions that they need to make because this rotation isn't as strong as we think. It needs to become better offensively or better defensively one way or another.
0: Yeah, they're just without an identity. Um, Like I felt like the... And, and and maybe the trump card of, of all is just playing KD at the five, but, like, you can't do that for multiple rounds in the play. Like, that's just un- – it's as unsustainable as having KD handle the ball for multiple rounds of the playoffs. Um, Yeah, I um, – I, I, it's funny. Like, I think – I'm just thinking about some of the stuff that's happened recently, and I think this – that Timberwolves game a couple – what was that, two days ago? Was yep. so emblematic of everything that's kind of plagued the Nets where they try to put James Johnson at the five, and it was just the wrong move. It was just like totally the wrong move. Minnesota goes on a thirteen to three run, gets Cat going, who's having a horrible game. It's like, why would you, why would you put in a move? An out. To, yeah. Like why? Like I, I would rather just like I. I mean, I guess I don't know. I would have probably done Sharp or Blake. I think would have been a solid option for that. Um, that's going to be the guy they're going to close with. Now, granted, they don't always do that. Sometimes they run through Anthony Edwards. Um, but you know, that's that is that. It just I didn't think it was the right decision. It also. Just you know, it was like a beam of light on what's wrong with this Nets team. Lamarcus well, goes down with foul trouble, and now it's just like uh, I don't know. Let's uh, I don't really trust any of these bigs. Here's James Johnson at the five. We'll see if this works. Um, so it's just I don't know. Um, they they I, I we talked a little bit in that space about Larry Nance Jr. Like even somebody like that, I think would make just a huge difference. Um, I know some people are down on him. Some people don't. Uh, love the year that he's having. I think he's shooting like 51% from the field, which is like not ideal for a big man. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not like incredible. Uh, still though, like he, you know, I, he's a, he's a player that's going to make plays in the short role and be more athletic than Blake. Like that's right there. I've already presented something that's more enticing than what the the Nets are offering. And that's just one guy that we're talking about. So um, yeah, I, I, think, I think Sean's got his work cut out. And I also will say this, like, I don't want to pile all the way on 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 Nash because I I've made this I think pretty clear on this podcast. I haven't loved this roster. I, I just never have. I don't I don't think the Nets had that good of an offseason. Um, and I I said it over at the time over the summer. Then they brought back LaMarcus. I liked that move. Millsap I really liked, and I just was wrong. <laughs> like I just was wrong. I have to take the L. I'm like hoping he's good somewhere else so I can like victory lap, but. I've got to just take the L there. Uh but even before that I just I didn't love the moves. I was kind of like I don't know what like what this team is building. They didn't really replace the Jeff Green spot. Uh feels like they they zagged in a in a in a year where they didn't need to zag, so, you know? So they went away from what made them so dominant, you know, outside of just their star power was their spacing. So I don't know. Um it's just they felt misguided this year. And I think Nash's comments of where a defensive team is emblematic of that.
1: Yeah, I think that they're a lucky defensive team. We've said that a million times in terms of, you know, the opponent three-point shooting probably being, and the opponent general shooting being the, the main issue of why the Nets have been so good. And you mentioned of late how much they have been struggling, and that is probably more emblematic of where they do stand. Now, when you have a defensive rotation, you know, obviously given where the lineup is, and you're not playing good defense, that is a massive, massive problem. So changes do need to be made. In some form of fashion, touching on Larry Nance Jr. The year before last when he was in Cleveland. He's, he's, his last two Cleveland years, he was shooting 35 and 36 percent from three. Now, I, I think he's somewhere in the 34, 33 percent range if he's playing alongside James Hart and Kevin Durant, and he's just the, the lone sort of non-spacer, if we're going to call him that. But in, compared to Blake Griffin, compared to you know probably Daron Sharp and, you know, and Nicholas Claxton, he's a He's Joe Harris, so I think that Larry Nance. Oh, we've been. I think me, you, and Nick have been so high on Larry Nance, and I think that the situation. <laughs> he's a good
0: Portland, defender too. He's an he varied, awesome he's defender. He's very good defender.
1: He was like all defensive caliber in like the past two seasons in Cleveland, and Paulin yeah. is a goddamn shit show, and no yeah. one can play good defense there. You know, Robert Cummington, Larry Nance. You yeah, know, both of those guys. I think could add something to, to the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, Rob Cunnington gives you an element of playing some small ball five, you know, like you did in Houston. And he's also got a bit of a history with James Harden as well. So I think the Nets need to actually maybe realign their identity. And Steve Nash needs to realize that because at this point in time, it's not just irking the fans. It's irking your goddamn superstar player.
0: Yeah. Big time. And like, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's bad. I, I even, I, I joked about the, the, you know, the stuff about, oh, he doesn't like Brooklyn. Even that, I think that's a little concerning about him, you know, pro- oh, I miss living in Houston. Like, that stuff is, it's not good. I, I'll put it like that. It's just not good to have, like, a, your star, you know, hating everything about this experience, from what it sounds like, at least. Um, it's just not good. It's not good at all. Uh
1: yeah. The funny it, thing, I wanted to just bring like a funny tweet, funny joke that I saw, and I'm not going to be explicit on your point. I'm going to try and be as as nice as possible. But someone was just like, James Harden doesn't like the strip clubs in New York because they don't don't show, you know, whatever <laughs> you you put to it to get. I was just like, holy crap, this is one of the best and funniest tweets I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I the the <laughs> that was an angle I I figured people were gonna make jokes about as somebody who lives out here
1: it's uh it's goddamn wonderful but it, I guess is there anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of some of that reporting because I think there's also a point about you know is this going to happen before the deadline because in the article I think Jake did say that it's unlikely that a trade request happens or before the deadline and it's more likely to be you know a sign and trade in the off season where do you stand I guess on on the status of that or any of the other Kyrie stuff rotation stuff that you wanted to touch on
0: uh no, yeah, I don't think it'll happen. I think I mean, you could probably compare it to like KD's last year in Golden State where, you know, you you kind of know this is hanging over you but you're like let's just let's just get this even if this is one last run. Um which is sad to say cuz I feel like he just What are we are we a, we're barely a calendar year to him getting to Brooklyn. Yeah. I was it, really it, thinking it, about it, that today cuz of this weird compressed season. We're like barely a calendar year. Bizarre. It's wild. It's bizarre. How much,
1: how much do you think of, I mean, we've, we've been very, I guess, pro Harden throughout this. Now, obviously, but we can get back to, but you sort of bring up a point what, and it makes me want to change tack. How much do you think some of this could be solved by Harden himself? Now, we did mention, obviously, you made a really good point about you know him playing through the, the hamstring injury, like, warrior-like. That was massive. And then, obviously, having to basically just recuperate in the offseason. I think that maybe, you know, he could have done a little bit more in, in that and brought himself in a little bit better of shape. You know, that may be something that he could have done. You know, obviously the way that he's playing, you know, is it because of his conditioning? Is it because of his general confidence? I don't think he has a a great confidence in his body as he did previously because just looking at some previous highlights that he's sort of taking where he's sort of like skipping and shimmying a little bit, you're not seeing that as much or you're seeing it, you know, he had San Antonio and the Clippers and, and occasional games here and there. So I guess what I'm asking you, Matt, is, you know, could James is James Harden part of the problem here?
0: course i mean like uh, he's kind of played with no swag this year like which it, i sadly like he just it's just been kind of um like he was so fun to watch last year it just like a delight it felt like every pick and roll you weren't sure what was going to happen he was just creating magic out there in a lot of ways and this year it's felt very one track minded like i he's still a great passer don't get me wrong but i i you know at the end of games you see him, a guy. He, you know, bring up one of the uh, one of the bigs to set a screen, and you're like, I know he's going to go downhill and try to drive into three defenders. And it, I do. I think it's part of it's that he's didn't show up in shape, and um, you know, part of it is that. And, I, and that's I, well, actually. Let me stop there. That's a big thing. He didn't show up in shape. This is his year where he's trying to win a, ch- a championship. Stuff like. You should show up in shape if you know this is one of your last runs. So I think he deserves a lot of blame for it in that way. Um, I don't blame him at all for being frustrated about the situation. Um, I I don't blame him for being upset with the Nets about anything. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like, oh, this guy's, you know, oh, what a a baby for not wanting to play with, yeah, for a quitter, for not wanting to play with KD. Like, nah, like he has perfect reason to feel that. I will say he didn't improve his chances this year. He didn't set himself up to win by showing up you know, the way he did and not attacking the offseason the way he probably should have. It's so I, I think he's complicit in that for sure.
1: Yeah, I think he is as well. And I, I, I honestly do think that he thought that, you know, everything was going to be cool with Katie. Katie's vaccinated. Katie's doing his thing. He's he's keeping things, you know, copacetic. But I honestly do think he also thought that everything was going to be cool with Kyrie. And then allows him to be like, oh, I can come in. So and, did know,
0: the come- Nets. By the way, Ex- so did the Nets. Then exactly. I remember showing up to media day, and you could like see it. Everybody was just like, "Oh, we thought he was going to be here." Yeah, like, and- they had to roll in a damn screen out of I don't know out of the closet or something to have this guy zoom into us and and talk to us about whatever his vaccination status. like they weren't prepared for that either.
1: Yeah. So I think that in with that, I think. Yes, Harden probably should have got um, a bit more in shape. But I think what James Harden showed a a lot last year is that he was the perfect... He was almost the third guy in a lot of ways because he was sort of controlling things. He was the facilitator. He was Chris Paul-esque in just his control and, and impact on the game. And, you know, this season... He, I think some of his, his control has has lessened because, you know, of his conditioning, his confidence in his body. And also, I think big time, because like you mentioned, you know, he's driving into land with three guys that are already there. Well, that's because Steve Nash has got a lineup with three guys that can't actually shoot three, the three ball at all. You know, Bruce Brand said he was going to practice a three ball in the offseason. He hasn't really. DeAndre Bembry shooting the three ball, you know, okay. I, I, I honestly feel okay when he shoots it. So, yeah, I think that there's – while you can make a, a case for James Harden, you know, this being some of you know self-inflicted, I think the majority of it could be, you know, solved by people outside of himself. It could be solved by one person. Yeah, we can. can be honest. Like we don't have you to can.
0: we don't have to sit here and dance around the point. If Kyrie Irving was vaccinated, we would not be doing any of this. This podcast wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be thinking about what Ben Simmons looks like in a short roll situation. With with Kyrie Irving, I wouldn't be doing that, and like that's and I you know it's fine. Kyrie made the decision he wanted to make, and from a personal standpoint, I get it. But I cover the NBA, I cover the Brooklyn Nets, and I have to cover this from the perspective of, hey, here's how things are affecting the basketball team that I write about, that I create videos about, that I create podcasts about, and that decision has now ble- bled into things in a way where you have this reporting coming out in January for a team that's trying to win a championship. It's out there now. Like, there's no denying this. So, yeah, it's... One decision. One decision could change things. And it doesn't have to be him. It could be the mandate changing, which yeah. we'll see. I don't know. Um, but that could also be a decision that that happens and everything suddenly, hopefully, maybe, is, is procured. We'll see. Um, I think there's probably been sounds like there's been quite a bit of damage done but that's that's it it's one decision and it's so frustrating I think to be I I mean I can't imagine if you're like a diehard Nets fan been waiting all these years and it's like this is what it comes down to is this once in a century pandemic and and just so happens to be in the state that your team plays in that has this really strict mandate it's just like I don't it's it's brutal, man. It's I'm sorry to rub it in, but it's
1: it's absolutely brutal. Look, I'm literally wearing my new Nets Air Jordan shirt that I got from when I was on holiday in the UK, and you you just you're making me cry and want to go back to bed and cry myself to sleep. But I think that, like you were alluding to with Kyrie Irving, there's obviously you know so many sliding door moments. You know, if a, a pandemic doesn't goddamn happen, a, a once in a, a millennium style thing. If your know, Giannis doesn't you know uh, box out in a, a pretty reckless way on Kyrie Irving, if Kevin, if James Harden doesn't injure his hamstring in a big way. You know, there's so many issues where it's just like last year that if if Kevin Durant had a a foot that was, you know, a a size smaller, there's so many what ifs that we could do a podcast series about it on the clear out Mm. of the Brooklyn buzz Mm. that it's it's almost funny. And I think with... To you know, give Kyrie a, a somewhat of credit. The way he has come back and played has been yeah. tremendous. So I think that is full credit to him. You know, coming back. You know, we talked about James Harden coming back in, in you know top conditioning and top form. Kyrie, I think, mean, hasn't missed a beat. And it shocked me in in a pleasant way. But at the end of the day, it's not the, the the big thing that is affecting this team and affecting James Harden's status right now. He can play as well as he is. You know, it's not really going to allow the Nets to be the best version of themselves you know the other net's going to continue sliding down the standings and, and want to finish in the five seat it, it's a one of those legitimate conversations that it that seems absurd and seems a little bit silly but it all it makes sense now especially when Kevin Durant's engine and Joe Harris's engine hopefully you know by post all-star break you know some of these issues that we're talking about uh, are forgotten and we put them to the wayside but the Kyrie Irving vaccinated one vaccination status one seems to be one that is going to linger and uh, I don't know how it is sold, like you mentioned. There's mandates, and Kyrie can choose to get it himself. But he was pretty steadfast when asked about. It. I don't think the questioning. I think the way he was asked was a, a little bit, you know, disrespectful. Um, but you know, that wasn't you. I'm not. I'm not throwing you under the bus. No, point, yeah. right? The way the way that you generally, um, the way that you've handled, obviously everything is, has been top notch, is why you have so much respect uh, from Nets fans and, and media alike. But yeah, it's it's the elephant in the room, and it's a, a massive elephant. And I, I think the elephant is only going to get bigger and bigger until it, you know, it gets its head above Barclays.
0: So. Dude, I was so ready to be like, they brought him back part-time and there's a small part of me that was like, I'm pretty stoked. We don't have to like play the what if game play the, Oh, you know, what, what are the solutions for him getting, you know, vaccinated? Cause it, it kind of did take care of it a little bit. I mean, there was obviously still that discussion. So it's like, it's funny that it's, it's come back to this. It's, it's just the thing that's going to hang over the season and, somehow find its way into every bit of Nets discourse. Um, can we spend like one minute? <laughs> Nobody's gonna hear this. Like two minutes thinking about Ben Simmons as a net.
1: Look, the, the I mean, I know that you love and want to hear this. But I, it's sort of like we're talking about the emotional element of the Brooklyn Nets and being a fan or whatever. The emotional element of Ben Simmons is even stronger, <laughs> given what he has done as an Australian basketball player, not just an <laughs> NBA player. It, you you can speak a little bit about it. I'll try and think if I can get myself in that mode because the disrespect so he, that oh, he ducks yeah, he ducks on. the national team every year, right? He, the andrew Bogut, um his podcast he went uh, a couple of weeks months ago discussed at how the the relationship has been with the the boomer squad and how it's been fractured and a lot of it is on some of it is on the national you know hierarchy and and sort of you know executives there but a lot of it is on you know the rich pauls the ben simmons the, the that sort of camp now look Full, dis- full respect to Ben Simmons for doing his thing, you know, getting engaged to Maya Jama, an absolute worldie, and it, living his best life. I don't know if he's getting paid at all or if all, he's still docking his pay. Cool. But as an Australian basketball fan, you know, give me Matisse Stiebel. Let's <laughs> get We can talk about Matisse Stiebel within the Brooklyn Nets situation, maybe, Matt. No, go for Ben Simmons, because I think this that is... a lot of people want to hear
0: that. I, this is how. Uh, this is how I'm sure everybody. There's like a big portion of of Nets Twitter that like hated Harden before he came here. And I'm sure this is how it felt. Uh, so I feel a couple things. A, I'm a little terrified for Ben Simmons, who's like like the perfect thing for him to do. honestly, like the perfect situation would be for him to go to like Indiana and Sacramento and yeah. just figure it out. Like whatever's going on with you know, uh, your, your I guess, inability to come through in the clutch or your fear of um, the free throw line. Like, just figure that out uh, in, in those situations. For him to come to Brooklyn, which is now going to be coming off a, let's be honest, let's say this, this goes through. I don't know if it will, but I'm just playing out the hypothetical. Coming off a painful breakup with James Harden, whether, whether they win or they don't. And now you're bringing in this guy and you're saying, hey, we need you to replace James Harden or do the best that you can. This guy hasn't played in a year. Um, (laughs) He's got well-documented issues with confidence or whatever you want to call it. And he's playing on a team with Kevin Durant, who is a great teammate by all accounts, like great teammate. He's been great with the rookies. I also don't know how much patience KD and understandably would have with somebody like that, especially as he's in... Sort of the twilight of his yeah. career. We'll see what Katie might be able to play till he's 45. So I don't know. Like this might be some like LeBron, Tom Brady stuff with him. I really have no idea. But to take that guy and put him in this situation, ugh, get a little nervous. I get a little nervous. I got to tell you. So that's that's my first thing. Um, I'll let you respond to that. And then I'll get on the like the bright side of this.
1: No, look, I I totally agree in terms of the the situation itself. Now, is Ben Simmons a guy that thrives in the chaos? I don't know. I think that he likes to shun from it. I think that the people around him like to shun him from that and keep him behind the scenes. You know, we haven't heard from Ben Simmons at all. Like, he he showed up to to the the Sixers training facility, like, once. I don't think he's vaccinated either, Matt. Like, I'm pretty – I've heard reports about that – don't quote me on it, but I'm going by secondhand sources from more credible people than me. that I don't think Ben Simmons is vaccinated either. Now, he doesn't have to be because Philadelphia is different. and But if he's coming to Brooklyn and the mandates remain in place and, and as such, then you have Ben Simmons and Kyrie who aren't vaccinated. The, there is no desire for the Nets to make that trade if that is still the case. Now, behind the scenes, maybe Ben Simmons has done that. You know, he has obviously been doing traveling. We've seen him sort of go to the UK and Wimbledon, all these different sort of things. So maybe I'm wrong on that. But I think that Ben Simmons within the Brooklyn Nets, yes, I would probably fall in love with him all over again because he becomes on my basketball team. And, yeah. and that's just the way that fandom works. You, you know, we have very fickle minds and fickle hearts. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I like to think that I'm a more objective fan than, than, I'm, than normal people. Um, But at the same time, I also do go off on a rational tangents on podcasts like this and the Brooklyn Buzz. So Ben Simmons as a Brooklyn Net worries me, not just for him, but worries me for my own mental, physical, (laughs) spiritual well-being. Yeah,
0: it's a conflict of interest. Um, I will say he's he's a pretty good fit. I mean, you can look at it and say, oh, this is a defensive player of the year. And you put him on this team that has been 27th, I think. Um, in defense since the turn of the new year. Like, yeah, that's, he immediately helps in that way. He helps your point of attack defense. Um, you could play him in the short role By We talked about, hey, this team doesn't really have a small ball option right now. Like I mentioned, James Johnson is like, yeah, they tried to throw that out there, didn't love that. Guess what? He's a pretty freaking good option that we've never seen in that role because he has shared the floor with Joel, Joel Embiid for basically his entire career, aside from when Joel's missed time. But You're playing him in a small ball five role next to two all-world scorers. I actually would even like him a little bit, and this is going to sound weird because I know most people are going to be like, well, just turn him into a center. It'll work out better. I actually really like that he can handle the ball. You know, I think the best thing about Harden is that he puts Kyrie in this off-ball role, and he's been excellent. I mean, Kyrie to me is – he's been like a top ten player in the league this year in the little bit that he's been back. He's been unbelievable. Um, And, I, I, you know, so you have that if you take, and granted, like Ben Simmons is not the same level pick and roll creator that, that, um, that, Ky, that, that, James Harden is like, he just isn't still, you have a guy that's going to be getting him in his spots, creating in transition. They'll probably be a really fast team if they played together. Um, and just utilizing, I guess, Kyrie in that way and keeping him in that off ball mold where I think Kyrie is really at his best. Like the idea of Kyrie being the primary point guard, I'm, I'm sort of sour on. I, I just, I don't know. I don't think he's like great at mapping the floor. Like he's, it's not a question of like, oh, is he a good or bad passer? I think he's a good passer. I don't think he's a great, like, oh, here's four guys in front of me. I'm going to make the perfect read at the perfect moment in the way that in the way that James Harden is. Like he he can make those reads, especially if he's on like a second side where there's only a couple defenders in front of him and he's got to make a decision between two offensive players. Like Kyrie's really good there in terms of running the entire offense, I'm not so sure about that. So in that way, I could really see Ben Simmons being a nice addition where he is he's just an incredible, incredible passer. Um and even like if you wanted to use him and a team switched, he could post up mismatches. I think that's the way you could use him. So I, I see it from a utilization perspective in terms of I think he can add a lot of things and then if you grab whoever Seth Curry, that's another guy that improves your shooting. Or Matisse Tybel if you if that guy's available, um, Tyrese you know, Maxi, I I'd be shocked if Maxi gets moved. I, I would he,
1: be as well. But if you if, if look, I, I go crazy. I,
0: By the way, Maxi like one of my favorite young. I I have loved Maxi since the draft. So I would go nuts if he came to Brooklyn.
1: I'll touch a little bit on the, the Ben Simmons thing that you sort of talked about and then also ask you about you know the ancillary pieces because I think that's a fun thing to talk about too. We're, we're going along. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this discussion with you, my friend. But in terms of Ben Simmons as an offensive fit, you know, in seasons past, he's been one of the, he's created the most threes for, for open shooters and you have Patty Mills and, and Joe Harris in a lineup with Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Dear Lord, that would be one of the best lineups maybe the Nets yeah. and the NBA has ever seen. But at the same time, Ben Simmons, some of his rim protection, I don't... I think KD's probably a better sort of weak side help. I think Ben Simmons is a better perimeter defender than as yes. a sort of big man defender. So maybe defensively, you know, I, I think the schemes would, would work out. I think, you know, as Ben Simmons, as your sort of primary, you know, defensive option, you know, he could be chaotic in a way that sort of matisse Style is with Philadelphia right now. Now, offensively, there is... I don't think, other than his creation for others you know the self-creation thing you know whether it's in the post or whatever I just don't think he has that in his bag at all and not playing basketball for this extended period what has he been doing behind the scenes I don't know I'm not saying that he hasn't but my interpretation of Ben Simmons you know following him you know ever since his high school LSU days you know the, the personality issues that you know Mike Schmitz has mentioned and such you know will Kevin Durant, you know, unlock something in him, or Curry, unlock something in him, or Steve Nash, unlock something in him. Maybe, but I think that there is. I have hesitations about the offensive fit. You know, in some ways, just in terms of the the best version of the Nets is just guys, all guys that can shoot. You know, Jeff Green at the five. You know, last year, you know, while defensively it, it didn't work at times, that that lineup was otherworldly, and the, the three man combinations with Joe Harris were otherworldly. So. I think that while it would be a pretty good fit, I do also think that there could be some negative ramifications with it as well. I'm not sure if I'm maybe looking too much into it and it's my sort of clouded judgment on Ben Simmons that's sort of bringing that to the fore. Um,
0: I, I would, I would push the only reason I'm going to push back on that is I think in the first place, they, the Nets need to get back to their spacing focused um, style of roster building like, even if you lose Harden, you should you should prioritize that. Like, you want to give, I mean, granted, like, no Harden there. I guess, I mean, that's your main reason why you need spacing right now is for Harden because KD and Kyrie can pull up from pretty much anywhere. But if you're bringing Ben Simmons in, like, you give him an open floor and you're saying, hey, we just need you to, like, dust the guy that's in front of you. And if you force help, we know you're going to make the right read because you're an awesome passer. My vision is him just beating a guy off the dribble, forcing help, and then we get those swing, swing, swing plays that were all over, just littered across every single game last year. Nets game, um, so maybe that's my vision with it. And I know not every play is going to be like, "Hey, we're just going to clear out for Ben Simmons." Like, yeah, that's what, ridiculous. what happens <laughs> to him?
1: What happens with him in the half court and uh, playoff basketball? You know, one the most recent version of Ben Simmons that we saw was one that you know had him had his superstar player calling him out and his coach calling him out in, in pretty non-subtle ways. I, I, I think that that the, maybe it's because that's the freshest thing in my mind. Again, I have a, a cloudy judgment of Ben Simmons in a lot of ways. I, I do see what you're saying, and I agree with all of it. I just also think that come playoff time, maybe, because, maybe if you do have a healthy Katie, a healthy Kyrie, and three other spaces out there, it's going to be a non-issue. But at times, I just think that are there going to be issues? I guess I'll ask you that. I, I might be, again, thinking that too much into it.
0: Um I think if you use him as like your roller especially if teams are blitzing you and you're and you're putting him in a short roll situation where he's got a 4 on 3 advantage like I really like that like that's where I get excited. Um and by the way like if Kyrie's handling the ball I do think teams are going to blitz him if KD's handling the ball yeah he's absolutely going to get blitzed in a playoff setting. So I like it in that way, but this is also built off a hypothetical world that maybe isn't even that hypothetical. If they're able to get Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, all of a sudden you're throwing out uh, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Seth Curry. That's filthy. I mean, oh, that is that is a nightmare to deal with. There, there's a real world where the Nets are a very, very scary playoff team with those guys playing together. Even because, because you have KD and Kyrie. Because you have those two who are going to shoulder the load, there isn't as much pressure on Ben Simmons to be the second option. He can be this third option, fill in the gaps. I've always liked it. I just, I always have. Um, And I think, especially now, if you're looking at a situation where, yes, the Nets are better if they have James Harden. we, We have seen this time and time again. The Chicago game was a great reminder of that. But... I think if, if this is what the outcome is going to be, they're going to end up with Ben Simmons. It is not the worst consolation prize. The only thing I am worried about, and the only thing, is that fear of, hey, what if he gets fouled at the end of game six and he misses his free throws and KD's frustrated, Kyrie's frustrated, and that turns into a big problem and it breaks him a little more. But if that doesn't happen, if, if Ben Simmons doesn't go through that specific... Um, I guess, event, I actually kind of like it. I, I do like the fit. I think it makes a lot of sense. He fills in a lot of gaps for them.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm thinking of, of the worst, worst, worst case scenario, which has happened, but it's probably less likely to happen on a team that has Kim and the Rank Kyrie over and 40 million spaces. Uh, we can spend maybe the next episode's 45 minutes or so talking about Matik's <laughs> Bible stick. We can do that one next time. But in terms of, I guess... The likelihood of this happening—I guess the the, the million-dollar question: What is the likelihood of this happening as of you know right now in in Melbourne, Australia? It's seven twenty-seven a.m. on Australia Day, when Invasion Day, sorry, Wednesday, January twenty-six. Is there a Nick always likes to throw percentages out there? You can give it a grade, whatever you, you want to feel about it. And do you think that's, you know? It, do you think that the ball is more in the Nets court? Do you think that they have leverage? Or do you think that all of this reporting, this leaking from Harden from Maury is starting to, you know, throw the the, the sway of balance and sway of power back into Philadelphia's way? Uh, I think, man, I don't know. I would have
0: said, I felt a little better yesterday when it was all stuff. Cause I, I knew this was a real threat. Like I know some people kind of shot down the idea that, Oh, this is just Maury leaking stuff. Uh, I I'd, I'd mean, just the little bit that I've heard, again, I don't hear everything, but the little bit that I've heard, this has been definitely a real threat for the last couple of weeks. Um, but I my opinion on what's going on right now is that Maury's leaking a lot to really try to cause a lot of instability, to make this situation that he already knows is volatile that much worse. Uh, I, the Harden leak surprised me today, like and I, that's what I'm going to call this one to, that, that we kind of... Talked about this whole time with Jake Fisher. I'm gonna call it the Harden leak. I don't know if that's actually true. Uh but that surprised me that it came out. I think because of that coming out and and this just being the thing, I'm probably around like, like in the sixth, like uh, I don't know. I hate I am just guessing right now. I'm like 70, 70, 70% worried? I'm pretty worried that he's gonna leave. Um it's just Man, it's just really everything. The way that everything was detailed in a list of things that he didn't like and just the feeling that I'm getting uh, that I got with LeBron's last year in Cleveland, uh, the feeling I got with KD after the the blow up that they had on the bench and all the reporting that came after that, it just is – I'm worried about it. And we haven't even gotten to the aftermath where these guys are all going to be asked about this stuff. And it sucks. It's like, your it's... job tonight, my
1: friend. <laughs> maybe maybe you'll have to get Chris to do it. I'll maybe handball it to him or whatever. But I'm sure that it'll probably be some of the ESPN guys will, will no doubt be asking James yeah. and everyone yeah. about this. And, you know, I think that the, the fans, including myself as well as many others, are going to be have our eyes glued on, on, on the screen. So I think I'm maybe a slightly above 50 50 maybe a 60 40 you had asked me this yesterday i would have been 20 or 30 i'm just be like i literally because i'm a lot of people ask me like how do you tweet so much like you're it's like 2 a.m in australia i'm like I use TweetDeck you know, relentlessly to actually mm-hmm. like put out a bit of content so it looks like that I'm active at the hours where Twitter is more active on the East Coast in, in America. And I tweeted out, you know, a meme thing about Daryl Maury, which I'm just like looking at it in the morning, I'm like, okay, this doesn't really make a lot of sense anymore. <laughs> like my <laughs> tweets are dated from like tweeting them like last night and thinking about them last night. So I think I'm probably maybe 60, 40, 55, 45. But again, like we've talked about yesterday. I'm a 20% sway. By the end of tonight, James Harden maybe shoots all all of this down and say that, you know, it was like, I don't know, Scoop B. Robinson speaking to Kyrie Irving's auntie or Matt Sullivan speaking to Kyrie Irving's, you know, long lost brother, brother's cousin or something. And the credibility goes out the window. Things can change really, really quickly. You know, in the NBA, and especially with the Brooklyn Nets, we've listed off a, a, a number of scenarios that have shown the, the volatility and the ability for things to change on a whim. Now, obviously, the whole Daryl Morey situation and you know that sort of relationship there. You know, I, I think I can't remember who it was it tweeted out where it was like, you know, Daryl Morey's farewell was talking about you know how James Harden saved his life or or some something like really over dramatic and, and and that sort of BS. Do you think that, I guess a, a weird question to ask you is, do you think that because of Tillman Fratida and Daryl Morey, their fractured relationship, do you think that James Harden might have preferred to go to Philadelphia in the first place?
0: No, I think he went to come to the Nets. I I, I, I cannot, if they actually, if Philly actually gets him, I cannot believe that they dug themselves out of giving Al Horford and Tobias Harris, what, like t- 450 <laughs> dollars Yeah, like... I, that's amazing that they were able to get out of that uh you know maury maury's a you know he's a character but man he's he's very good at his job i'll give him that he's a masterful pr master as well um but uh but yeah i uh i don't know I, I i don't i think he's he went he wanted to come to brooklyn for obvious reasons it was the best opportunity to win and um and it, it, it genuinely, you know, he's got a relationship with KD. It's just things have cascaded in a year away this year that uh, has just made it really difficult. Just made it really freaking difficult.
1: <laughs> difficult is is right. A- anything else? I guess you wanted a touch on Matt. with probably by tomorrow. This might not be the the most evergreen podcast, but you know, yeah. something out there. Content for the blue wire. Apply to crossovers for days.
0: Uh yeah no I think we're good um I'd be I'll end with this I would be shocked if he's made available tonight I, I I would be very surprised he might maybe he will be maybe he'll be like nah I'm addressing this head on uh but I I don't know if he'll speak tonight after the Lakers games so.
1: one good one good thing about James Harden is when it comes to that sort of media stuff is that he is quite forthright and honest yeah you know, he's the way he does. I mean, I think some people even like dislike the way that, you know, he's so buddy-buddy with a, a lot of the, the media and the way that he sort of coddles up to them and, and gives them like really sort of good quotes and, and that sort of thing. But I'm a big fan of James Harden. I hope he's a Brooklyn Nets for a very, very long time. I hope this is sorted up. Kyrie Irving gets back there. I hope Kevin Durant's back soon. I hope Joe Harris is back soon. I hope the Nets make some moves. I hope Steve Nash fixes some of his lineups. Um, that's a lot of things that, that do need to be fixed that need to happen but to, I guess, solve this situation, Matt. But... Look at me, the ever-optimist Brooklyn Nets fan.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not over yet. It's January. It's Net. At least this isn't happening in March, I guess is the best way to put this.
1: <laughs> That's one way of putting it, my friend.
0: Um, I think we're going to we're gonna end it here. This was fun. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, if you have not subscribed to the Brooklyn Buzz or the Clear Out podcast uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you use, go ahead and do that. Give me five um, stars as well and a review, cool. both of them. Yes, please. Yes, please. That'd be sweet. Uh, Jack, thank you for doing this with me, and I'm sure we'll connect soon.